Hi, this is Jonathan Stoddard, and you're listening to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix? Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guest today is a versatile actor and producer who's been in, well, a, a crap ton of shows and movies and a whole lot of stuff that that you just have to go to his IMDb list to see everything that's on there. But you might also recognize him from a three-year stint on a little show called The Young and the Restless. You might have seen him on there, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe a lot more. Anyway, we are very happy to welcome Jonathan Stoddard to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome, Jonathan. Why, thank you very much. It is wonderful to be here with you guys. Oh, thank you. All right, so Jonathan, we start, because as we talked about in the, the pre-show, uh, Kathleen and I are, are major nerds, and we love origin stories. So we we like to talk to each of our guests about their origin story. What were their influences, their backstory? What makes them the person that's sitting on the other end of the mic in front of us? So in the case of Jonathan Stoddard, what's the origin story? What were your influences growing up that helped shape you and point you toward a career in the arts? Origin stories are fun. I, I so wish I had a button shirt so I could just be like, yeah, Superman. <laughs> um, let me see. The It depends how far back you want to go. I could pull a Goonies and just say, well, in third grade, I, I was. <laughs> you love Goonies. <laughs> Sloth love chunk. <laughs> to watch that. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really depends. I, I will say this: I, uh, I've been full time, so my career really just started taking off within the last maybe five, uh, six years. And then before that, it has been a very interesting relationship. Um, not so much with the art but with the business, because uh, those are two very different things, having a passion right. and then figuring out a way to pay your bills with your passion. So it just kind of depends where we want to start. Sure. Okay. Well, let's talk about the art, not so much about the business then. What were your influences okay. in the art that made you say, yeah, I might want to do that? Well, as a child, I played baby Jesus, and that was my first breakout role. <laughs> it's um, the wrong time to try to take a drink. <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, and I will say I, that that was my first breakout role. It's hard to beat that. Um, but anyway, well, there's uh, that. Some yeah. Fun. yeah, I had some fun with that. Uh, I will say my parents are psychiatrists, so there was a really cool push to uh, appreciate the arts and to get into theater. And that isn't so much related to psychiatry, but uh, I will say home was not necessarily an explorative place when it came when it came to like having fun and being outgoing. And, and I was the youngest of four, so I was always playing. But with them encouraging me to always do school plays uh, within the school programs and then community plays and just always keeping me busy in some kind of summer program or doing something, I was always acting. It was just a natural part of my life. So okay. I never knew anything outside of that. And uh, we've all been to like some kind of summer camp or something, right? And and they usually do some kind of a, a play or something there, or there's the community theater. 
And again, being the youngest of four, by the time the fourth one comes out, your parents are like, well, they're harder to kill than we thought. Let's not pad the doorknobs anymore. Um, <laughs> here, kids, why don't you watch them? There's more I truth to that seen. than... As a parent of three, there's more truth to that than what you think. As the youngest of four, by the time my parents had me, they were just tired. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they're like... Oh, um, my Angela's first word, Ricky's first word was cow. Your first word? Uh, yeah, no, the, the luster is gone. The oh, yeah. shine is gone. But yay, the youngest of four. Definitely. Yeah, no, I, I think by the time I came around too, my parent, my grandparents told my mom, you don't even need to take pictures of her. She looks just like the other ones. She'll never know. <laughs> Ouch. Wow. <laughs> So hand me down clothes and hand me down photos. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are legitimately photos of the four of us growing up that it's the, wait, which one of us is that? I don't, well, well, dad looks like that. So that's probably Charlie because he was gray by the time I came around. But, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, well, and now with today's technology, just face tune or do a face swap. And now you can reuse every single photo. Exactly. <laughs> Well, that's cool, though, that your parents helped you, that your parents encouraged that, that they were keeping you busy and getting you into the arts that way. That's that's fun. It, it was either extreme creativity and resourcefulness or uh, incredibly lazy. There is a who knows. Um, but I am, I am very, very, yeah, I'm very, very happy. Uh, all joking aside, I love them. They're phenomenal. And sure. um, they gave me a really great balance of science and art and that's cool that yeah especially uh during that period of time in the 80s and 90s th those two were almost at odds with each other mm -hmm. um so Very there wasn't so. a lot of like a, a coexisting so i i absolutely loved my upbringing all right so let me let me ask you a, a secondary side question to that um so do you have a, a favorite movie that that kind of you you watch that and you're like man i want to do that someday yeah, I've got my my list of favorites for a number of reasons, from sci-fi to animated to just feel good anytime, uh, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I'm a sucker for the Princess Bride. It's a good, good movie. It is just it could be playing at any point in time, anywhere. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know. There are a handful of other movies that I really love and appreciate, and Shrek is one of them, and uh, The nice. Emperor's New Groove is another nice. one. Good choices. Um, I, I love it. So we've <laughs> talked about about family. And I mean, being the youngest of four, family is a huge deal to me. I mean, for better or for worse, those three people that somehow are my siblings are definitely my ride or die team. I mean, yeah, I can insult them all I want, but nobody else can talk crap about them. Like, they're mine. That's not I'm, true. I talk crap about Fred. Well, you haven't <laughs> you haven't hit the limit of what you're allowed well, to no. talk crap about Fred. No, about. no, I just joke about Fred. And He's honestly, you've kind of just morphed into being one of my siblings anyway. So you're welcome. You might as well talk crap about him too. It's fun. <laughs> so do you think you that <laughs> do you think that being the youngest of the siblings has helped prepare you for certain roles that you get the background or I mean, even if it's a background character or stand-in cast, but you kind of are used to being in the back because you've got those three older siblings that were already in front of you? I think so. Like some of some of the traits that I think carried over are that that like cooperative teamwork and playfulness uh, with everyone. 
And then there's that very interesting thing that's hard to teach kids at a young age, which is the start stop uh, when it comes to play. And so if I was uh, playing with someone, uh, one of my siblings, and then and they got tired, uh, they could just pass me off to someone else. Um, so I, I always had someone to engage with. And then, of course, you have to stop during dinner time. Right. Or you have to stop. Um, so I don't know. There was never a shortage of energy. I, I will say I never... It, that there's always a, a blessing and a curse to everything, right? Oh, definitely. And so I didn't, I didn't speak a lot when I was a kid. Um, I was super hyperactive, and and it was always, um, I don't know, I was, I was just always climbing or jumping or playing or building or or running around or doing tag or or just being super active. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't until later that I actually didn't, when I decided that I wanted to become an actor that I had to start learning how to speak. And that is a very interesting thing to try to figure out how to do in your like mid twenties, when you decide that you want to do something as a profession, as opposed to just here, give me the lines and I can say them versus I have to actually be a independent, creative, contributing member of this entire production. See, and I feel like I was, I was more of the, I wanted the attention. So I was in everybody's faces and loud because you had to be loud to be heard. And Were you a class clown? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%, because there were, like, no boundaries. Right, right. But somehow still, the all of my report cards said a pleasure to have in class. It's like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the youngest of fours, we're not evil. Hmm. Like, we're fun. We just, we know all of the ways to mess with people because we see it all day, every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it's happening to us. So then we know how to either take it and dish it out, but then, you know, and then we soften it. It's like, it's like taking the dagger out of our backs and then we dull the blade and then we decide we want to start playing with other people, right. but not in like a negative way. In like, a, like, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go play, you know, uh, sword fights. I don't know right. where I'm going no, with and this, it's, but yeah. It's, it's a weird dynamic because you do have that, like, no, I know this trick because that trick has been played on me. You cannot get me with that trick. I have mastered that. I will get you with it when you're not paying attention to me. But like, my husband is an only. And it's the, the combination of the only child and the youngest of four. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's, it's intense sometimes. But now we have a three and a half year old who is an only and is probably going to be an only. So it's the, there's that, like, the little, the little kid inside of me, my, my inner child with the, do all of the things to her that you wanted to do growing up. It's like, no, I am her mom. I'm supposed to be good, but I can also still pick on her because it's good for her development. Um, right. <laughs> it's fun. You're like, it, it did wonders for me. <laughs> trauma is great for you. <laughs> yeah. Trauma builds character. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Coping mechanisms. <laughs> My husband's going to edit this and be like, what is wrong with you people? He knows I what's still, wrong with me. He's met my brothers. I, I still think the line so far to be beat in this whole conversation is fours aren't evil. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny. I feel bad. I feel bad because I, I know yeah. that my brothers listen to the show. The number of times that I've talked about being the youngest of four. And then I'll say something and I'm like, oh, but it's my brothers. My poor sister 
is never at the blame for any of this. Wait, ever. are you a two? You're a two boys, two girl. Yep. So I'm a I'm a girl boy, girl boy. Oh, there's boy boy, girl girl. Um, I don't know how my parents did it, but and it's so. It, <laughs> shut up, Tim. <laughs> Obviously, I know I have a child of my own, but you. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, and it's it's funny as my older brothers, my older brothers are 12 and 10 years older than me. And wow. then there's a four year age difference between me and my sister. So it's the wow. Charlie and Fred are two years apart. And then there's a five year age difference between Fred and Julia, and then four between me and Julia. And it's like, the the boys were raised by the younger parents, the girls were raised by the older have already Tired. dealt with all of this crap parents. Tired don't want to put up with those crap parents. Yeah. yeah yeah a number yeah. of times that my brothers are like you were raised totally differently than me it's like i'm also totally different from you there's there's a big difference here and by the time i came around dad was 47 and tired i get it uh, again we're again we're we that. are not padding the corners of the table anymore no survival of that. the fittest if they get a scar they'll brag about it later <laughs> And whatever their their bones are malleable, they'll grow right. back. Right. So, oh, oh, just to back this up, just a quick second. Your dad was forty seven when he had you. Yep. God, that exhausts me. Just thinking. My dad I'm turned forty seven a week after I was born. Oh. I'm forty five. I can't imagine having a, a child right now. Do you? I I would cry. And a child this just high energy. Enough. This high energy, Tim. Oh. Oh, I'm glad I got that factory shut down. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's so funny. So even though my parents were told she looks just like the rest of them, don't get, don't bother taking pictures of her. My mom did still do the first year baby calendar for me, which I love. I still have it. I treasure that thing. It also makes me laugh really hard that I was born in August. And in November is the first time dad was thought of that. Or the first time somebody asked if dad was your grandpa. And I'm like. Oof. Wow, I love that that's in my baby calendar. <laughs> Did that play later? Oh, A makes lot. for good stories, but yeah, I'm sure. All right, so Jonathan, I don't think uh, uh, just a quick topic shift here. I don't think that people fully right. understand the the workload that the folks in daytime drama have. The the constant recordings, the learning new lines every day, everything that's kind of goes into that and so you were around that for for quite a few years i think it's something you clearly understand better than we do but what is something that you wish you knew better before entering the daytime drama world and what's the best lesson you think you've learned during that time i mean i, I will say specifically for day daytime television the hardest thing is when you're looking at network stuff um it is the uh DLP, which is dead letter perfect. Okay. And you don't have a lot of wiggle room. Uh, you're, you don't get to really play with a lot of either ums or casualness or improv or things like that. The, the hardest thing, which no one can really prepare you for, uh, maybe if you were to recreate a setting and have there be a dedicated class to it, like an on-camera class, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen a class like this. Uh, but otherwise, you're going in and you're looking at four cameras. The Well, actually, you go in and between seven and eight, they block your scenes and you have to know everything. You go to your your changing room and everything. And then um, you 
may have changes that could be a couple lines or a couple pages. You have to spend the next maybe 30 minutes to a couple hours doing as many techniques as you can to integrate it as fast as you can while remembering the blocking they just gave you. And then they send you out there and you get one or two takes. Um, the director who was there during your blocking then disappears and he goes to or she goes to another place. Um, it kind of becomes, you know, God in the sky kind of thing, uh, like Truman Show style. Mm -hmm. And um, it is it is just a spectacular, spectacularly well-oiled machine. And um, when I first booked it, it was for an under five. And I couldn't eat for the two days beforehand. And I, I found friends of friends of friends who had been on a soap trying to get some idea because mm -hmm. I didn't want to mess it up. I wanted to be invited back. I wanted it like every, when you only have five lines and you got to, you got to make it count. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'd, 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 only, I'd honestly rather have a thousand lines than five. Um, well, yeah. Cause on five, it's going to be a lot more noticeable if you don't stick the landing. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And especially with them because they're on such a tight rope. I can't make up an extra line and have six lines because then it puts me in a completely different category. So it was, it was a wild experience that that's all I can say. Um, movies and everything else, which I've been doing a lot more recently, uh, they're depending on the director and the style and what you're doing, you can have, sometimes you can have uh, incredible liberties uh, to play with the script or to play with the, personality of the character and what you're bringing into in the circumstances and it's it's a much different world still thinking about acting and the the artistry of acting um the digital age presents so many different opportunities for that artistry there's the tools to make film music and anything else that you can think of are readily available it's not that hard to buy a webcam and start a podcast Hi, right. here we are <laughs> and even even just with tiktok your phone has a camera on it. It's easy to do that from anywhere. So with all of the the digital distribution, all of this being readily accessible to all of us, do you think that, what do you think is the biggest challenge for artists in general, but for actors in particular in, in this new, everybody can do it sort of age? So there is an expression that I've heard a lot over the last year and a half. And it's, there are a lot of filmmakers. There are not a lot of storytellers. Everyone has a 4K camera now, and it's remarkable. And that's that's why so many things have also shifted to non-union because SAG can cannot control um, the amount of content that is being created on a regular basis because it's so available, which is spectacular. But it also creates this incredible layer of fog. <laughs> I guess, mm -hmm. where um, whether it's the story or whether it's the sheer bum rush of the industry and just wanting to be a part of it. So it's willing the willingness to go out there and make anything, which is also uh, incredibly admirable. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, mm -hmm. But when you have when you have so many people able to do it at once, it becomes a very interesting market. And so the good stories end up rising to the top very quickly. And the poor stories um, can sometimes, or if it's a good story, it can sometimes get lost in the lack of technical aspects. So good lighting or good sound or some of these other things. 
So I think inevitably everything ends up, um, I'm, I'd like to consider myself kind of an optimistic realist in the sense that every new competition ends up breeding a new kind of superpower or a new kind of human being or a new kind of skill set, a new kind of evolution. And uh, all of this content available or the ability to make content is going to breed a new kind of actor, a new kind of content. And we're always, I think, as a people going to be fighting for quality. Um, so I don't think that's ever going to go away. But at the same time, have you guys seen Idiocracy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to put that on the table. I mean, so I mean, that, and that is, you know, we're we're getting to that point where we're going to be sitting in a chair watching a guy get kicked in his crotch and uh, but at the same time i i oh fingers crossed that is just we are gonna keep you know moving forward it was supposed to be a comedy not a documentary <laughs> right little did they know exactly. it's time. a little it's a little hurtful on the documentary side but <laughs> it is yeah. it is yeah. a little too a little too true to life couple years Um, they'll change the beginning it'll say remastered and then it'll say based on a true story that's the only thing they'll change yes yeah yeah probably so i i I think it's good that there's so many people out there who want to create and want to make but i think you're right i think there's more content creators than there are storytellers and i think that there's a that's a pretty wide chasm there for for people to to make the leap from one to the other you could be a content creator and you can make content all day long and you can pontificate on your ideas of this, that, and the other thing, you know, but you can, you can do all those things, but then to, you know, like I can get on in front of a camera and I can sit down and I can tell you my ideas about this star Wars movie or that star Trek thing, or, or this Stargate thing, or, you know, whatever, because I'm a nerd and I can do that. But there's a very large difference there between that and me actually sitting down to make a movie that tells you all the things and, and present it a logical, cohesive story. So I'm hoping that with all this content creation and all the digital creation that we're seeing or the, these, these fan-made images and these fan-made movies that are going like straight to YouTube and things, some of them are pretty decent. Yeah. Some of them need a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just time to put it nicely. Uh, but I'm hoping that, like you said, somewhere in there that, that there's a middle ground found and we now, you know, there's the evolution of what is the next step and that, that these, these people who are wanting to create and make these stories, you know, they, they, I don't know if, it, if it's a need for, for classes or education on the actual art or the artistry of doing it. I don't know. But, there, you know, there, there's, there's the desire to do it, but sometimes the desire isn't enough. Well, it's, it's really interesting, right? Because we're talking about it just on an entertainment level. And I, and I think the access to classes, like with YouTube, I mean, I was, I was a professional photographer for eight years and I learned it from YouTube and I was able to, to break down and, and sign up for classes um, from into teaching, uh, independent teaching platforms. Whereas before you had to go to a Brooks, you had to go to like a high-end school and make it your life's work because you knew you wanted to do it at age five. Um, and then you would spend, you know, 80,000 or whatever to go to school and figure it out, or, or you grew up, you know, in a studio and now you can decide tomorrow, you want to be something else. You want to be a filmmaker and you already have a phone and you already have a 4k camera or even a 1080. And so now everyone can start learning lighting on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, but before we go too far off of it, what's really, really interesting is entertainment used to be able to play with the concept of truth and entertainment 
And there was sometimes this interesting line, the documentary style that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Right now, and as technology continues to grow and develop and with you know, the market and, and social access, we have a very interesting, I think we have some really interesting challenges ahead for the content that we're creating because I could shoot something on my phone that looks real but is staged and not real and now people start becoming numb because they don't know what's what's real and not um they their emotions can get played with because there's so much content and they're constantly getting bombarded with so much information and and we now have to either sift it out or we have to have better filters or we have to create like you're talking about some some kind of a quality control to be able to decipher what's what's worthy of our our airtime and then what's not like do we want to spend two hours watching uh, a super low budget film that we have no idea whether it's good or not or do we want to go to the theater because we know that they put so much money into it that we're hoping better chances over you know better chances are that it's going to be good um and so how do we want to spend our time and that's that becomes like right now, it's still kind of a free-for-all, but I think as as we continue to develop, these are going to be things we're going to have to develop uh, with the oversaturation of the market. Yeah, evolve from the Wild West into something more civilized. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, speaking of all these movies and, and things, you mentioned that you've, you've been more onto the movie side as of late. Now, according to IMDb, which of course is not infallible, we've discovered that over and over again, uh, depending on who's that all depends on who's inputting the information. Right. Uh, according to IMDb, you were linked to at least uh, by my count, 12 projects that are in some stage of production right now, which is pretty impressive. One of which includes Graham McTavish, which Kathleen has a kilt crush on, uh, but who that's doesn't? a whole other story. Who, who doesn't? doesn't? Who doesn't? I know. The man but, is you know. gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. But with so many things in production and you're working on different stages of the production with them all either, as, you know, and, you know, on multiple, some of the multiple levels inside of that, that production, how do you find a proper work life balance with all these things, all these irons in the fire, all these things going on? How do you find not only time for a proper work life balance, but also how do you relax in between the jobs? What do you do to relax rather? Uh, great questions. <laughs> Um, I will, I will say this, uh, in the, in the, in a loose way of, in a loose manner of speaking, there is no work-life balance in a prophetic, prophetic kind of Zen Buddhist style or, um, response. If you love what you, if you love your work, then you'll never work a day in your life. So it's, it's really interesting. It's really challenging because for let me put let me put it this way and and I'll actually tie in something about being the youngest of four um, as well because I'm at a certain period of time where all my siblings have kids and I am missing them growing up. I'm missing the birthdays. I'm missing the events because I'm on set and I'm building and it it eats me up more than it does them. And thank goodness that. Um, I've been doing this long enough that they have supported me and they have decided not to take anything personally and, and to love me for whatever I can do and give, but it wasn't always that way. Um, but it is, it is now. 
Awesome. But I will say uh, something that I've that I think about a lot is um, when I think about doctors and the process to go to medical school. You don't have a lot of free time. You're looking at eight to twelve years of dedicated um, schooling, education, and then matching residency, and then trying to figure out a life, and then paying for a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of student loans and things like that. And so you're moonlighting, pulling double shifts, all this kind of stuff to be able to come out clean on the other side. I call it the Shawshank mile. Okay. And, and of course I'm a, of course you guys have seen that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so when he's, when Morgan Freeman is uh, narrating and he says, Andy Dufresne uh, crawled through a mile of, you know, waste and all this stuff to come out clean on the other side. And this is my Shawshank mile. And so I've had to make peace with my version of medical school. I've had to make peace with my Shawshank Mile. I've had I've had to make peace with the friends and the people that have not been able to love and support me because I can't be there for for the special events, even though I really want to. And sure. for a lot of my life, I I prioritized people and community over my life or over my passion. And not to go dark or dismal, but it ended up backfiring and I ended up nowhere even though I gave up everything for everyone I loved mm-hmm. sure and that's not their fault it it was mine and it's about the kind of life that you want to live right and it's the kind of life that I want to live and it's about what do I want to accomplish while I'm here and so I've had to make peace that there is going to be a sacrifice made somewhere mm-hmm. and can I still love and appreciate those that are important to me, my family, my friends, um, without sacrificing my vision and my leadership and my drive? And so it's still something that I work on today because like last year I did 19 movies. Um, this year I'm currently working on my fifth movie since January. It is, it is a challenge. There is, there is no sugarcoating it. It's hard. It is really hard. Um, and I can go through all the different ways of, of talking about how it's challenging, but most importantly, it's finding the moments to breathe, to center and doing my best to have compassion for everyone around me, because I, I know that it's hard for everyone around me. Um, and it's also really challenging for me, but, oh, but that's I'm an excellent answer. what I'm doing. Yeah. That's an excellent answer. It's, uh, you know, yeah. I, you know, I think that when, you know, people from the outside looking in are like, oh, he was, just, he was in, you know, five movies last year or, you know, whatever the number is, you know, I don't think that, you know, those of us who are on this side of it ever really give much credence to how much time, effort, you know, the blood, sweat, and agony that goes into making that happen, things that, or things that don't happen for that person because they were doing this thing. And so that, that's a nice answer. It, it, it's it's a bit of an eye opener in helping those of us who who don't do what you do kind of get a little bit more of a a sense of, of what it's like to be a, an up and coming actor and, and working to, to build yourself a foundation. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it's super interesting. And even like you were talking about the oversaturation of the market, uh, I probably couldn't have done 19 movies 10 years ago. No, that, that wasn't a thing that wasn't available. Right. Um, now, especially after COVID and, and how um, SAG has changed, how the market has opened up, how it, it flooded into this this new style of 
filmmaking and TV and accessibility and every single distribution platform from Apple to Netflix to Amazon to all this kind of stuff. Um, there's now more shows and TV and, and, and film. There's, it's more available than it's ever been in the history of the world. True. So this is an incredible time to build. So outside of acting, I also learned that, I mean, and you've mentioned that you were a photographer, you've been a musician and from my research, a pretty good cook having graduated from Le Cordon Bleu in 2004. That's awesome. Le that's- Cordon Bleu. Yeah, I'm not. Le bleu. Sorry. Le bleu. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'll shut up now. Cooking, I've had a couple. <laughs> no, please don't. Please don't. Yeah, I've had a couple lives. I've had a couple lives. Oh, that's so cool. So is there a method of expression that you want to explore that you haven't yet? Or, I mean, going from acting to photography to music to food, is there something that you've done, you, you haven't done that you want to try still? Well, I would say what I'm really excited about getting further into is the music side. So food was amazing. And if you want, we can go back to that because I still like I am I am a food addict. I mean, we all are. We kind of have to do it every day. But I mean, (laughs) uh, we will definitely talk food more, even though poor Tim's over there with the I'm hungry. I know. I know. Sorry, we, we won't dive into it. (laughs) <laughs> I may be the only person here who's who has sung, you know, a, a love song to his tater tots. So I'm just saying. I really wish I had that on video. I'm really glad you don't. So wait, 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 wait. That 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 was an invitation for an invitation. He legitimately, <laughs> like we were, it was my parents, my older brother, me and my husband, Tim and his wife Shana, at this little like hole in the wall bar where a friend of my mom's was their band was playing. And Tim was a couple of adult beverages in. I was about three or four Guinnesses in. I was uh, the only sober one because I was pregnant. And he was literally <laughs> serenading his tater tots. That's amazing. Singing along with the band. Singing. Where was your tots. phone? I, I was holding my plate of tater tots up like this and like. Like yeah. the Holy Grail. Oh, yeah. Just. Oh, his his wife and I were too busy looking at each other with the. He doesn't even They're look idiots. at you like that. Oh, if she like, held tater tots, I sure would. I'm like, he, I have never <laughs> you, seen him look at you smoochy, like that. Smoochy, smoochy. Yeah, no, I should have. My phone was right there. I could have gotten video of it, but I am so glad you didn't. I missed the opportunity. That would so get held against me so many times. <laughs> I mean, it still does anyway, but yeah, but you know, at least there's not photographic evidence of it. So. If there was photographic evidence of it, though, that would have to go on our Patreon. Like that would be the true at the at the fifteen dollar tier. If you, take him, take him to the park and my couple randomly place a plate of tater tots. <laughs> we will, it'll happen again. Although it'll probably be him and my husband to, both serenading food at that point. And well, you know, if you if you include a lot, would have to have a live band. They would have to they would have to have Guinness on tap and they would have to have um what they I think they called them Irish taters and it was just like oh like like overstuffed and overdone like with toppings tater tots and it was just glorious pretty sure I can recreate it uh, that's, you know, that's three things we can make that happen because you know potatoes didn't the tater Irish tots, potatoes like, are so awesome. they were they were loaded potato loaded tater tots but they were loaded Irish tots or something. Yeah. Lo- so do they have like corned beef in them? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. It was glorious. So anyway. <laughs> it sounds like it. Bar food is the best. Yes. So, yeah. Bar food, beer, and live music. It's a, it's a good combination. I'm trying to think so. if Waldorf... Well, Waldorf doesn't have beer, have Guinness on tap. Because they're, no, well, they're out. Because they're a brewery, so they make their own. I did, yes. I, she's, she'll be thinking about this. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about the, the, <laughs> the local brewery by my mom, because that she's would plotting. not be too par, far of a drive for you. They've usually got live music. They, I she's mean, plotting. <laughs> it is a brewery. And if I can get you to, it, it may not be tater tots, but it'll be brew house fries. Richard. Uh, uh, Irish tater tots. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. You might need, I think there's, there's a certain recipe. It's kind of like four Guinness and tater, loaded taters. Okay. Loaded fries might require five Guinness. Yeah, look, about five or six Guinness, I'm going to start singing to anything. It's not really going to matter at that point. <laughs> you got yourself a deal. There you go. Now I just want brew house fries, though. I did that to myself. There you go. Oh. All right. But so... So I will say though, but music to answer your question. Yes. Um, and so there, there's some really cool stuff. My uh, my girlfriend and I are actually uh, musicians, and we're releasing a single in a month. Ooh. Oh, nice. And um, that's going to be followed up by an entire EP, and and we have a, a record ready to go. And we've been working with some uh, amazing people. She's she's spearheading the entire thing. A phenomenal. Uh, musician, singer, and songwriter. I hope with uh, the production and some of the songwriting and instrumental and things like that. Awesome. But it's it's going to be really really cool. I so shameless plug. Time this one Taylor. to. Oh, I was going to say shameless plug. Taylor Watson, get ready because you guys heard the name here and perfect. Yeah. So if we were to compare the music to a recognizable existing artist. Who would it be most compared to that we could say it, it's this genre or this style? Um, that's actually a good question. And uh, we're starting to work with the teams uh, right now, putting together all the marketing kind of pitches and what we're going to do. So I'm actually, respectfully, I'm going to hold off on that. Fair enough. Um, but um, the name is Taylor Watson and look out for that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it, we can do that. It's gonna. It's just gonna be really cool. All right, we'll put that down in the show notes too. So when people are yeah. are looking for this, that they look for for Taylor Watson and the EP, yeah. the single in the EP. Okay, cool. Yes. So back All to right. food though for one second. Just I'm sorry. Yes. I'm gonna do this. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So having graduated from an, an amazing culinary school, what Le is your? Bleu. I'm not gonna say it. Well, I said it for you because I knew you wouldn't. What is your favorite meal to prepare? Okay, so this is this is so interesting. I just have to say, every anytime anyone hears that I that I went to culinary school, they that is usually the first question. Like, what do I like to cook the most? Mm -hmm. um, it's just at this point, it's just a case study, and it's just fascinating because everyone asks it. I I don't know. So for it, uh, part of the school, we spent an entire month studying each cultural cuisine and then different accents and accents um in uh from different regions of that area so it's hard to say i will say in general i have the most familiarity with italian because uh, i worked for the company cipriani in new york for a couple of years and then in venice okay. italy uh and then i 
came back to Northern California and then um, started working in some other restaurants and then opened a Caribbean farm to table one. The, my favorite dish, quite honestly, has more to do with the human element of surprise. Um, and it's more of like kind of my secret weapon or like a magic trick. So it's, mm-hmm. I like basically doing Iron Chef. So if I'm at an event or a party and we're at someone's house and they're like, God, I'm so hungry. We have nothing to eat. I'm like, <laughs> get out of the kitchen. And then <laughs> I whip up this like gourmet uh, thing. And they're like, oh my God, I didn't know you could put Pringles with that. I'm like, <sighs> and I, and so I don't know. I, I like creating those kinds of magic moments and that that means more to me than than just doing a a risotto or a a specific dish it's about it's about the the time that's had over the meal all right let me ask you this question about food instead what is the worst vegetable and why is it zucchini (laughs) zucchini is delicious tim the worst vegetable your honor (laughs) uh zucchini is the devil's pickle okay that's what it is (laughs) Kale is the worst. That sounds like a very inappropriate thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah. <laughs> this is PG, Tim. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, <laughs> well, kids, you hear it here first. All right. Okay, no, I will say, wait, wait, are you... Uh, I hate to uh, with a passion. But but to be fair, grilled zucchini with a balsamic glaze and a thick cup with like the markings... So my my buddies, one of my buddies is actually a very very good chef. Okay, I I don't th- I don't think that he's you know he's he's very, he's self taught. Let's put it that way. I know he hasn't gone through any classes or anything, but he's done the YouTube thing. Oh, I watched this video. I did this, and he's and he's just been one of those guys. Well, I'm gonna try this with this, and I'll try that with that. And he's he's self taught, very good chef. And ninety percent of the time, I will eat anything this man makes. Okay, because he's just he's that good. He's got a natural talent for it. He tried to get me to eat some some grilled zucchini and some grilled squash and you know with all these drizzles and the seasonings and the drizzle of the drizzle and the this and the that and it was a warm dirty sock it was just it's nasty i was gonna say was it like chewed up baby food i just oh, i can't stand it if it's not <sighs> if it's and i all respect to your friend but there is a fine line on the grill of, you know, eggplants and zucchini and stuff like that, where if it's cooked a little too much, it becomes like a slightly solid form of baby food, which isn't supposed to be solid. So there's already a nastiness to it. But if it's done right, I'm telling you, it uh, it's it's heaven. It's like, it, it's like uh, what am I thinking? A smoothie is supposed to be liquid, right? Right. Solids are supposed to be solid. Grill yeah, toes the line. Yeah, if you cross that plane, you're you have some issues. Now I, I will say this though. I um I used to hate, I hated zucchinis until I started growing my own. And it changed my life. This was after culinary school, and it changed my life did, where I was growing my own. Grew did you lose um, a, did you lose a bet and so you had to start growing them or no, I, there were just only a few <laughs> things you can grow like in LA with a fast turnaround. And I don't know why, but they were at Home Depot for seeds. Fair enough. Um, so I did, I got them and then um, they, they grew. And for whatever reason, I took it fresh off the vine, um, just sprinkled some, um, some really nice olive oil on it and some Himalayan sea salt and cracked pepper. And it was probably one of the, the, the most incredible 
uh, revelations that I've had when it comes to food and, and appreciating the difference between supermarket and homegrown. And it changed, it, it just changed my whole perspective on things because I hated it. I was with you 100% the like anti zucchini all the way. I was there. Um, just try fresh off the vine if you haven't already. Mm, yeah. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not, not anti-zucchini, but eggplant and I are still not good friends. Honestly, I like eggplant texture. for whatever reason. I do like what eggplant. What about baba ganoush? Oh, love baba ganoush. Haven't it's tried it because it's got eggplant say. and I don't like eggplant. Like it was the... Plus, exactly. It is fun to say, right? Baba ganoush. Baba ganoush. You need to try it. Like, baba ganoush. <laughs> 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 All right, Jonathan, we got one more question for you. We call this okay. our silly question. Now you can yes. answer this as silly or as serious as you so choose. Oh, let's get serious because this has been silly. All right. What kind of secret society would you like to start? I can't tell you it's secret. <laughs> Gosh, Tim. <laughs> I feel Why? like that is that is such a setup. <laughs> what secret I wanted society to see if you would I want I to start? I was going to see if you were going to catch on to the fact it was secret. You couldn't tell me. So. No. You, sir, you have, have passed the test. Well done. On the air. Thank you. It is secret. They will. <laughs> <laughs> well done. All right. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You where... are amazing. Thank you. I like to be told that I'm amazing. Makes me happy. <laughs> Where can our viewers and our listeners go to find out more about you and all of the wonderful projects you have coming out? Um, well, there's Instagram, John Stoddard Official. Uh, and then that's probably the, the the platform I'm most active on. So yeah, just John Stoddard Official. And then other than that, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Just, just Instagram. Just follow me oh, there right. because... I'm in a, I'm towing a very interesting line these days with, with these movies of being able to post stuff about them. And then a lot of times I can't. Um, so it's, it's just stay in touch with me there. Um, and, and then through interviews here, awesome. uh, like, good. like you guys are great. And then, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll do this again, especially when everything starts coming out. Cause yeah, I've got definitely. a movie releasing at least once a month. So. Oh, awesome. All right, cool. Well, we will definitely link your Instagram so that they can follow you. Yes, please. All right. All right. I want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help our show continue to grow, help get more amazing guests like Jonathan Stoddard here to have these great conversations with and have some moments to laugh to. So please subscribe. It's going to help more than we can ever really tell you. Do you put like the subscribe button? Oh, yeah. There's a little Clear. button. But you oh, it's gonna be here. Point anywhere, and John will point, point anywhere, it and we'll make sure that John points it there. Because we're just gonna all randomly point in different directions, and he'll have to put it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Boom, don't forget subscribe. to subscribe there. Boom, subscribe. <laughs> Boom, subscribe. <laughs> Boom, subscribe. Yeah. So I, take Jonathan's advice and subscribe to Pop Culture Addicts. And remember, kids, pop culture is all around you, influencing everything we do make influencing every part of our lives. So if you're a pop culture addict like us, come back next week. We'll have your fix waiting right here for you on pop culture addicts. Bye. Bye. Adios. Hey, thanks for listening to pop culture addicts. 
If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at PCAPodshow at gmail.com.